This episode is brought to you by Modern Fertility and Hello Tushy. We are happy to have them on board, making the show a possibility. Welcome to If These Ovaries Could Talk. I'm Jamie. I'm Robin. And we're your hosts. Let me show you. I am a lesbian. So gay. So gay. We need to tell our story. It's not your nuclear family anymore. It's not just your mom and dad. We're not ruining these little humans. It's not for the gay reason. (laughs) Just because we stick. Hello. Hi. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. It's so good to see you here or hear be here with you. (laughs) Or what we're not together, Jamie. What did you hear trying to fake it? I'm talking to the the listeners, not you. Okay. Oh, Oh, yeah. It's not good to see me. Yeah, we're not together. We're still social distancing. And it's pride. It is pride. It is a month of celebration, my friends. So I mean, I feel like it's going to feel like a little less celebratory, no, but we have to no, make it. Make it's it going to be our bigger. job to make it virtual pride. You know what I noticed? You what? know how they have that in the suburbs, at least. All the kids put rainbows in their windows right now. It's like a thing in the suburbs. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. For like during this social distancing time, everybody has rainbows in their windows. They had them for like two months. But it wasn't for pride or it was for something else? No, no, it started in March when we started this whole fiasco. But I'm going to call them all rainbow flags to my kids. Yes, you are. (laughs) Yeah, because we don't get to like walk around and see all the commercialization of pride, like the gap and all that, which, by the way, that's not a bad thing. I don't care what Citibank thinks about Pride. Last year, Rose and I took like a Pride tour of the city and just like took pictures in front of all the beautiful rainbows and colors. And and you're right. We can't do that this time. Well, so. listen, I don't want to say that Glad stole our idea of a virtual Pride videos, but Glad stole our idea <laughs> of virtual Pride videos. And it wasn't okay. even it, actually we stole the idea from our listeners on their live stream. Yeah. But that's not. But we do want to tell you guys, we want you to make videos of how your family is celebrating pride virtually this year. Make them creative and fun and funny or whatever. Or just have fun with it. You know, like a minute and then um, send it to us and then we'll we'll share it on our social feed. Yeah, I'd like to reiterate for Robin, please don't make them too long because because Robin likes to keep them short and sweet. Well, there's time limits on Instagram. There's no time. What are you doing? I'm just making I'm just making fun of you. (laughs) No, they do need to be short so we can fit them all. Yeah. I would hate to make a great video and then we can't play it. That's all. Come on, Jamie. I just, last week I ordered pride shirts for me and Anne. Hopefully they get here You did? Yeah. What do they say? really cool ones. Well, one of them is two of the Disney princesses making out, which is awesome. That's hot. I know. It's really hot. And then the other one is like a rainbow and you do you or something like that. I don't know. That sounds like a totally different message, you do you. Just saying. That that sounds like self-love. But it's for pride. Well, it's for pride. Just saying. It's a more it's a more muted one for Anne because she's not going to wear the princesses kissing. That's more my. That's your jam. That's your jam. It's my jam. Your Disney days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's say this before we get to our guest today, which we don't want to say too much up front because he's amazing. We have to get to him. But we need to give a shout out to all the folks who joined our Patreon community after we asked for help last week in our big patreon pitch it that wasn't an easy ask for us but we are just so honored and thankful that so many people answered the call robin i have to say it was so much not an easy thing that after we did it and all leading up to the monday that it aired i was on the verge of sending you an email saying let's take it out i know i know i had so much about it very uncomfortable yeah yeah so we did it and and you responded so thank you so much so we have to say a huge thank you to melissa feldman danielle lally Alicia Romero, Emily Pearson Wanberg, or is it Wanberg? 
Well, you need to tell us in the live stream because she's always there. Oh, yeah, that's true. We love you. Uh, Jessica Smith. Okay. And for the rest of you, if you... (laughs) That was weird. That was a great transition there. We're so good at our jobs, Jamie. Um, But for the rest of you, if you're like, what? I missed last week's episode. Patreon is our community where you can support us, but also where we have all kinds of bonus content at varying levels. And we have a video of some, some of the interviews. We have swag that you get for joining. And we even put up some interviews, unedited, ad-free videos. So you can watch us ramble through interviews with people. And my mother really loves the video. So you should know that too. Well, you guys, if Jamie's mother loves the video, then you better you better get on my that. My mother loves the videos. But also, we, we appreciate your support because we don't want Robin to have to go back to work, please. We because really, this, won't, we really this don't. won't happen if Robin has to go back to work. It's, I've had like two job offers and I'm like, why is the universe doing this to me? I'm like, I'm trying to just mm. pursue our dreams here. And the universe is... I I don't know, maybe telling me I shouldn't have these dreams because it keeps no. being like, here's some dumb job. No, wait. Well, well, let's watch those Patreon members come rolling in and there's your sign. <laughs> let's get off of Patreon. Okay, anyway, let's, okay, let's talk about our guest today. All right, Sam Bettens, the lead singer of the band Kay's Choice and Rex Rebel. Oh, I, Amazing. I've been such a fan of him from back in the day, but what was so cool is one of our listeners, Aline Vanderjachnied. We never know how to say her name, but she's delightful. Anyway, well, she's part of our Patreon community and she was emailing us and she said, you got to get Sam. He's this Belgium singer. And I was like, oh, cool. And then all of a sudden I like looked up his name and I was like, oh, crap. I was like, that's the lead singer for Kay's Choice because I was such a fan. And so then, of course, we started stalking. Yeah, exactly. And just about two years ago, he began transitioning. Yeah. And he's got a vlog about it. And we were like, let's get him on here. And he was like, we didn't even have to really stalk. He was just like, yeah, I want to do this, which is awesome. We love it when we don't have to stalk people. (laughs) Helen, shut up. We know we got to roll the tape. We got it. We're closing the intro down, Helen. She just hates it when we talk about stalking. I know. I know. Like, Helen, Helen you need to loosen up. Loosen up, Helen. All right, fine, Helen. Roll the audio. Go, go. Roll the interview. I think we need to get Helen a gift. We're so mean to her. Helen's Helen's bad at her job. All right, let's go. Let's go to the interview. (laughs) All right, okay. Roll it. Hi, Sam. Sam. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's so good to see you. I was just saying earlier that I feel like we have a celebrity here because Robin and I have both been watching your vlog. Oh, that's cool. And it's amazing. But also because like back in the day when I worked at MTV in the music and talent department, like when your disc, when the Case Choice disc came across my desk, I was like obsessively playing it. And everyone in the department was like, we got it. You like that. You like the disc. So like, you know. Oh, that's nice to hear. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty amazing, Sam. Thank you. So we're going to start where we always start, which is the elevator pitch of you and your family. Are you timing, Jamie? Yeah, I can. Okay, 30 seconds. All right, here we go. On your mark, get set, go. I'm Sam Bettens. I'm a transgender man. I have four kids, two stepkids, two adopted. My wife is fantastic. She means everything to me. I am a musician. I get along great with my extended family. I have two brothers, two fantastic parents, lots of friends, good life. Wow, that's, that was Damn. amazing. You had eight seconds left. Look at that. Wow. I have nothing I have nothing else. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. I just have a career as a rock musician. I have four kids, but that's all I've got. And a vlog. <laughs> Only takes 22 seconds to talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. All right. Well, let's dig in, Sam. Yeah. Let's talk about how you first created your family, like with your wife and how did you how did you get your kids? 
So I met my wife. That's actually a story that I'm not going to get into with you guys today because it's going to be way too long. But um, I was married to a man and so was she. And my ex-husband was actually one of her best friends. (laughs) What? Whoa. Yeah. So we met just as friends. And then, uh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And then one thing led to another. (laughs) Did you guys get divorced before you got together? Can I ask that? Yes, we both got we both got divorced. Hers was way more painful than mine because there were kids involved, and I had a very understanding ex husband, so that was nice. But uh, hers not so much. So that was a much uh, much harder deal. When you guys got divorced, did you tell your husbands it was because you wanted to be with women, or it was that didn't have anything to do with it? Yeah, so I told I told my ex-husband that whether I was going to end up with her or not because her divorce was more complicated and she actually wasn't sure in the beginning mm-hmm. because kids it was just all was very it was all very sad and complicated. But I told my husband at the time that for sure I knew I was gay. So that was, you know, I I I fell in love with a woman. It felt completely different. So regardless of whether I had a future with her or not, I knew that what we had, and, and my husband, Mike's husband and I, we, you know, we were great friends. We had, we thought we had a great marriage, but then I realized like there's some, there's a whole other thing there that you see in <laughs> movies that actually does exist, you know, and, and that's what I experienced with her. And I told him like, it's just like, it's just not, this is not where I should be. Uh, that, that much I know, whatever right. happens after and he was he was pretty understanding. I mean, we still slept when we decided we were going to get divorced. We still slept in the same bed. We just still hung out until everything was final. We had a mediator, split everything up. It was all very it all it was all pretty smooth. It was nice. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. And you guys didn't have any kids together. We didn't have kids together, which really makes things so much easier, you know. <laughs> and it, when it's when it's just about money, it's just like you can, you just get past that so quickly, especially when your happiness is, is involved. You just like you, you can kind of let all that go so right. quickly. Like, you yeah. know, this, yeah. is a, this is about our lives. Let's just let's just be smart. Let's just do this in a smart, fast way and not worry about it too much. But kids is so emotional. And mm. and also, you know, there's there's the ex-husband's ego, you know, which right. my mind didn't really have that problem that much. And, uh, and it was very different with my wife. And how many kids did she have? Two. Yeah. So they were four and six at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So they were, they were still little, which was great because there was not a lot of questioning of a new person in their lives. They just, there's just an extra person that loved them, you know, for them, it was just like, all right, there's a whole bonus. There's a whole bonus person coming into our lives. And not in that really difficult, like early teenage age, you know, if your parents get divorced and you're kind of looking for yourself and who you are and trying to discover, you know, what your place is in life. I think divorces can be really tough, but kids are little. They just, you know, they're so in the moment. They want to be loved, entertained, have a good time. They want everyone to be happy. And, and so they, they did, they did pretty well. I just want to take it back one sec. When you, when you realized you were gay, did it come as a shock to you? Yeah. The weird thing was, that it came as a shock to me and not to, not to <laughs> anyone else. Like, it like, <laughs> Isn't that how it always goes? <laughs> because then I looked back after and I'm like, oh, there were only like 
100,000 signs, you know, like (laughs) short of like everyone actually in my life holding up a sign saying you're gay every day, like everything else was pretty much there. You were like, I think I'm going to get married. And people were like, are you? Really? To a guy, you say. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. I mean, sure, we'll come to the wedding, but really? (laughs) I look back at all the signs, and of course, I have it now, too, with transitioning to male. It's kind of the same thing, like, oh, my gosh, there were so many signs. Mm. With the trans thing, it's different because that's really a new concept that I didn't even know when I was a teenager. I hadn't even heard of that. So that's kind of understandable. But the gay thing, falling for women, obviously wanting to be with a woman, that that whole thing is just like, it still baffles me today that it took me to 28 to realize that that, that was where I needed to be. Yeah. 28 years old you were? I was 28 years old and I had been married for seven years. I got married really young. I had some quick like relationships, like very intense friendships. And there was definitely some physical stuff involved when I was a teenager. And I always attributed it to, <laughs> oh, that's what girls do, you know, just or practicing. Just girls, yeah, being pra- girls. just girls being girls. And then I look back and it's like, no, that's not girls being girls. That's, <laughs> that's girls having sex yeah. <laughs> with each other. Yes, like, that's that was just, a huge that, crush. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, that's quite the crush Not everyone does that at slumber parties. (laughs) Yeah, apparently not. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? So did it come as a shock to your wife that she was gay? She kind of had a similar teenage experiences. So a couple of boyfriends, but then also a couple of girlfriends, kind of, maybe not. (laughs) And so it was kind of the same thing to where we... I don't think I had the language, to be honest with you. I knew one lesbian, and it was Martina Navratilova, and I thought she was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and she was Obviously. so. People talked so harshly about her. That's mm-hmm. what I. Re- that's what I really remember. I remember we're a tennis family. My parents were tennis players, and so we would be watching these beautiful matches between her and Chris Everett, and they mm-hmm. would talk so harshly about her. You know how she was like a so masculine and unattractive and her jaw that was so straight and it looked Mm -hmm. like a man's face. And I didn't really think about it at the time, but it it must've really done something to me because why would I, why would I remember that, you know, Mm -hmm. them talking about her in that way. And I, and I used to defend her because, Mm -hmm. because she was such a great tennis player. I was like, why, why aren't we talking about her that she volleys all the time? Why, why aren't we talking about that? So for some reason, I really felt like I had to defend her. Yeah, so lesbian was Martina Navratilova, period. There were no other people. There were no examples. It wasn't an everyday conversation. Even when I was in high school kissing my friends and kind of messing around a little bit, we didn't talk about it as lesbian. We didn't use that word. No. So it was, it was so far away. And you grew up away. in Belgium, is that right? Yeah, I grew up in Belgium. Yeah. Do you think it was like culturally less open there than here? I mean, not that it was open here then, but do you think that played into it in any way? I don't know if Belgium had anything to do with it because in general, Belgium is like gay marriage was legal long before it was legal here in the States. So Belgium's pretty progressive when it comes to things like that. But I do know, and I hate throwing my mom under the bus, but she was so happy every time I did anything remotely feminine Mm. or Uh or every time I had a boyfriend. So she must have deep down been really worried that maybe I was a lesbian. So everything that happened that was kind of more normal in her mind, she was just, it was like a celebration. And yeah. when a boyfriend broke up with me, 
you know, I'm talking like when I was 15 and it was like a three month, you know, relationship, she would lose like 10 pounds. It's like, <laughs> like I'd be over it like 24 hours later. And my, and my mom had like a one month grieving period. It's just like, so at the time I didn't, I didn't really realize how weird that was, you know, but now yeah. I'm like, all right. So there was definitely some, I had two older brothers and there was pressure for me to be the girl. Mm. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to play soccer on a team. I was allowed to play in the backyard and in school, but I wasn't allowed to be on a team. Wow. wow. In my parents' defense, girls' soccer in Belgium was not a thing like it is here. It was right. very, very rare. And it was kind of like a little bit of a, had a little bit of a low class vibe. Mm -hmm. But still, it was all I wanted to do. Yeah. And I wasn't allowed to do it. So there were definitely messages being sent that I was expected yeah. to be a girl and fitting mm -hmm. in. And as much as I always thought of myself as being such a, an individual and my own personality and I make my own decisions and I'm strong, I must have also been such a pleaser at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's what I think now looking back, like I was really thinking I was kind of like breaking barriers in some way. And then at the same time, I was really, really still trying to fit in as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that runs deep. It's yeah. also the cultural significance. Like you bring up the Martina story. Like I remember all of the announcers, all of the fans, everyone was rooting against Martina all the time. And so there's that subtle undercurrent too. It's not just coming from your family. It's coming from socially that like that's the person you don't want to be. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? So, that's so weird. Yeah, that's so weird, right? That, that, that people were uncomfortable with her. Yeah, her you know, sexuality because, overpowered yeah. everything else about her. And at that time, it wasn't the way people weren't training the way they do now, like, you know, the, like they weren't as muscular. And so right. it was like it was just this there was this masculinity to her that people were very uncomfortable with. Yeah. And, and I, I so hope and I know it's changing, but there's still so much work to be done. And that's I think that's one of the most exciting things about this new generation of young kids that don't care about gender that much anymore and don't care about fitting in that much. Yep. We look at Serena Williams now and her power is celebrated, you know, mm -hmm. she's so strong. And if she, I mean, if she had played tennis in that era, I don't even know what people would have been saying about oh, her. Oh, they wouldn't even have let her, <laughs> let her on the yeah, court. Yeah, I know, think. I know. So I like that idea where it's definitely changing. People are celebrating individuality and women that look different, are a little different, present differently. So much has changed. And, and again, so much work to be done. But compared to when I was growing up, it's amazing how much has mm. changed. So, Jamie, mm -hmm. if you were to listen to this podcast, you probably have kids or you're mm -hmm. thinking of having them. And in the LGBTQ world, making babies requires a lot of science and a lot of planning. We all know that. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the first things we need to do is start the process to make sure our downstairs is all in working order. True. And we need help to do that. Yeah. Enter modern fertility. The easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label, and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Love it. That's amazing, right? Mm -hmm. And traditional testing with your doctor can cost over 1000 bucks, but mm -hmm. Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash OCT, you can get off $20 off your test. Boom. Also, listen to this. If you have HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility. Amazing. And I love this because especially when we're two women, sometimes you're trying to decide who's going to go first. 
And so like modern fertility is going to help you get insight into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and any reproductive red flags. And you would want that information if you're deciding, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not always about age. And the results go in-depth into what every hormone means. And you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse, which, because, I mean, half the time, we don't know what we're reading, right? Mm-hmm. You can review your results and options for your next steps. Yeah. So if you want kids today, or maybe you want them one day, you need information to make the decision that's best for you. That is correct. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners 20 bucks off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash OCT. That means, guys, that means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Truth. This is very like the more you know. So get $20 (laughs) off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash OCT. You need to know this information, people. Check your eggs. Check your eggs. Get your discounts here for your eggs. I got to stop. Okay. When did you become a step parent? Like when did that little family become solidified? So as soon as both are, I got divorced, I moved to Atlanta. I wanted to be close enough to my wife to where I could see her if I wanted to, but not so close to where I was in her face. So I was about four hours away from where she lived. When her divorce was final, which was about a year after mine, so she took a lot more time to think about her life and what she wanted, and she wanted to be sure. And with kids, again, it's so much more complicated, and it's Mm -hmm. a bigger decision. So when she got divorced, we had a ceremony, commitment ceremony, because marriage wasn't legal, but we had like a little thing with just two or three friends, the backyard of a friend, and we dressed up and in dresses, (laughs) both both of us. uh, Still doing that gender thing. You will not be seeing those pictures. And then the little kids were dressed up. It was super cute. And um, they got like a little treasure chest with like a promise from us. And they had, I mean, it was all super cute. And that was the first day we wanted to make it official for the little kids. That the first day I spent the night so that it was real to them. It was like a real thing. Like regardless of whether it was legal, we wanted it to make it, you know, to show them like this is what, this is a new family that's starting now. Mm-hmm. It was so new to me to have these two little kids in my life. There was like a purpose all of a sudden. I mean, aside from being in love with my wife and so happy that I was with someone that I really wanted to spend time with all the time, I used to find myself when I was married to my ex-husband standing in the middle of the room in Santa Cruz. We would live one block from the beach. Santa Cruz is beautiful. And just stand in the room, like see myself from above. Like, what am I... There's so many things I could do with my day, but just paralyzed, like not Mm -hmm. knowing what my purpose was for the day, let alone the month or the year, like just, just lost kind of. And that all just disappears with little kids, you know, like, you know exactly (laughs) what you're supposed to do because there's no time to be standing in the middle of the room, you know, wondering what you're going to do with your day. Like it's, it was, I loved, I loved that sense of like, well, we didn't get anything done, but, uh, (laughs) Kids are happy. They're fed. They're asleep. They didn't die today. You are describing my life right now, right. Sam. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no bigger like you know. Maybe I'll write a book someday. It's like no, 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 no. There's there's no time for that. Get through the day. Get through this. Yes. Hour. Maybe I'll shower. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe I'll shower today. <laughs> exactly. But I liked it, and there was a silver lining to the divorce part because the kids went to their dads half the time. And so we got to be a young couple at the same time, you know? So I had this whole new family and these two kids in my life that I, you know, just 
instantly decided like that's you know we're we're one unit everything together but then at the same time we would have this time just the two of us without the kids yeah that was also fantastic and very honeymoon like and like we could do whatever we want with our day because whenever i'm home i'm usually not working you know so my wife wasn't working so we would just yeah. kind of perfect hang yeah, out and be way. like a new in couple a so way. it was it kind of perfect in a weird way, exactly. An argument for a divorce right there. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag divorce rocks. My wife, Mary, and I talk all the time about how we want to be divorced, but we stay together, but there's just an ex-husband that takes our kids Wednesdays to Fridays. So we don't know how to make that happen. No, we just need I know. to get one of your gay friends to be the gay uncle that takes them. That's what we need. I know. That's I so know. We need a kids. gay uncle. That was the rude awakening with the second batch of kids. Like, oh, shit, there's no ex-husband to like take them and we can like go travel for a week or something. They're with us all the time. All on you now, all on it. So yeah. I want to know before you get to the second set of kids, did you, did you want kids before all of this happened? Like what, what, were, what were your thoughts about kids? I always, I always wanted kids and my ex-husband and I were very careful about not having any because we weren't ready. And I used to secretly hope that something would go wrong, you know, so that, so that we didn't have a choice, you know, it uh -huh. was, it would just be there. But at the same time, I have to say, and I always wonder whether this has something to do with my makeup, my, my transness. Like I, I, being pregnant always felt wrong to me. So I always wanted kids and it always felt wrong to me. I, I, I did not see myself that way. I was just like trying to visualize it and like, no, that's so weird. Like that, it's just going to look weird. It's going to feel weird. So... I had always thought about adopting, like that, that would probably be, you know, I, I want a family, I want kids in my life, but I just don't see myself. I don't see mm -hmm. myself that way. And so these kids came along and it was kind of like the perfect solution to that. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it's, it's step parenting is for the step parents listening out there. I'm sure they can relate. It's very, very tough job because you, you go all in because it's the only way to go. You know, you can't, can't make distinctions you can't you know like you have to emotionally financially just be 100 percent. otherwise you know you you can't hold back so you you throw your whole self in there but you're always third wheel you know right. you're never the decision maker you're never the final person who says like wait 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 no that's not how we're gonna do it so you're the supporting person when my wife's like how how should we do this how should i handle this and then you're allowed an opinion but you're never the person who makes final decisions. And that's, that's pretty hard. And also, you're not the mom and you're not the dad. So you're, right. you're a fun bonus person. You throw yourself in emotionally all the way, but the kids are fine without you. You know, they have mm -hmm. two parents. That didn't change over time because they're older now, the first kids, right? Well, I mean, it, did you feel like you had some say in the decision-making process when they were in high school or college? Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think I had an impact on their lives just by being a parent in their lives. And, and we spent a lot of time together and I volunteered in their schools. And so, so you just have to kind of constantly know your place and your role. And it's, um, it's, a, it's not good for the ego. So you got to really like be able to put your, your ego all the way to the side as a step parent and say like one day, probably when they're in their 30s, you know, and they have kids and, and you're like the grandparent, they'll realize like, oh, that was really, you know, like, oh, he, he taught us how to 
play golf and you know he like showed us what it's like to be a good partner and what it's like to be a good parent like all these things like i'm not saying nothing i i don't want to say too harshly because they were they were very lovey with me as kids and uh they accepted me all the way they didn't hold back but they struggled we lived in tennessee they struggled as teenagers not with me personally but just with the outside world they had a really hard time because of the gay thing yeah, it was very hard for them. And I looked already pretty masculine then. And uh, we lived in a small place called Johnson City in Tennessee. Whatever you're picturing right now, like, you're right. You know, it's just, it was, it was very, very conservative. And everyone going to church on Sundays, except us, like we used to do our heathen shopping on Sunday morning because no one was there. <laughs> And so all these kids in their school would throw words like fag around, no problem. And then they yeah. would come home and I think it was hard for them. You know, yeah. I wanted to be the supportive parent who came to every game and came to every performance and was always there. And then at the same time, there was a part of me that felt like they might not want me here right now. Oh, that's heartbreaking. So it was just, it was always this double, you know, it, it was that, that made it really tough. And how did their dad take this? Because I know it was a tough divorce. Yeah, he was not great in the beginning, but over time he came around and and then really accepted me as a parent. It gets better. Sometimes it takes a while. Oh my God, Robin, I am so excited to share our new sponsor. Okay. I've been wanting one of these things ever since I went to Japan and learned of their beauty over 10 years ago. Amazing beautiful, miraculous. I think I know what we're talking about. Yes, the Hello Tushy. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Wow, you, yeah. you've really got some feelings about the Hello Tushy. No, I really do. I really do. <laughs> well, for those of you at home who are normal, you're going to like this too, just maybe not quite as profoundly as my co-host here, Jamie. Yeah, listen, if you have a vagina or a butthole, this Whoa. ad is for you. I mean, wow, Jimmy. I mean, that's true. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to believe that when we go to the bathroom in this country, most of us wipe instead of wash. When you think about it, right? You no, know, it's true. I'm telling you, Japan knows where it's at with that. They are everywhere in Japan. For years, bidets have been available here, but hideously expensive, costing mm -hmm. thousands of dollars. Trust me, I have looked. <laughs> well, we're all in luck because the Hello Tushy modern bidet attachment is here to bestow the blessings of bidets to everyone. So much alliteration yeah. in that sentence. I love it. Hello Tushy cleans your butt with a precise stream <laughs> of fresh water for just $79, you guys. Oh my God, it's true. It attaches to your existing toilet and requires no electricity or additional plumbing and cuts toilet paper use by 80%. Wow. So the Hello Tushy bidet pays for itself in like months. And also, when there's not a lot of toilet paper around, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. It keeps your butt fresh. And you can keep your vag feeling fresh with less irritation, infection, and general BS and send toilet paper packing. I cannot believe that you just worked vag into an ad, but okay. <laughs> so good. Listen, everybody, for you, when I'm now talking about the vag, the Hello Tushy bidet attachment comes in nine color combinations to match your private parts personal brand. <laughs> oh my amazing. God. And every Hello Tushy bidet attachment comes with a 60-day risk-free guarantee and a 12-month guarantee. Oh my God, great. you've heard it here, folks. Join Jamie and the millions of happy Hello Tushy customers right now and have a clean butt with every flush. I'm telling you, you'll never go back. Go to hellotushy.com slash ovaries to get 10% off. 
this is a special offer for our listeners. So again, it's so, I mean, clean butts are so important. I'm going to say it again. Go to hellotushy.com slash ovaries for 10% off. Hellotushy.com slash ovaries. I never thought we would get to say all of that stuff in an ad. I loved it. Clean your butts. Clean your butts. (laughs) When did you guys decide you wanted to have more kids? So we were on a camping trip. It was one of those weeks where kids were with their dad, you know, two of us and a dog (laughs) and uh, (laughs) so much time. (laughs) And for some reason, we decided to mess that up. I still don't know. (laughs) I still don't. I think it's my fault. First of all, I loved having kids. I knew that much. And there's probably a part of me that didn't want to be the third wheel and and wanted to be full time all the way deciding person from day one. Mm-hmm. And watch a child, you know, grow from being a baby and, and just really being all the way a parent, not just this extra, not just a bonus person. Hmm. Yeah. So I convinced my wife. She still blames me for it. <laughs> <laughs> when they're hard, she calls them my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I do that too. Yeah. <laughs> I call them my wife's kids. See, look at what your daughter did. Look what your daughter just did. <laughs> right. Exactly. When did you start transitioning and how did that affect the family and how and what happened with that? So I'm actually celebrating my one year on testosterone this week. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I probably had been kind of transitioning in a way for a long time. Like I I can kind of see, like look at pictures and see how I became more masculine over time. And then our big kids went to college and left the house and we moved to California. And all of a sudden that whole burden of Tennessee and, and having stepkids being kind of embarrassed by your presence sometimes that was all gone. Mm. And I think it just opened up without me knowing it, the lid opened of this box. And once it opened and I let out these thoughts, it just, there was no way of putting them back. And there was room all of a sudden to, uh, to let, to let all that happen. So one day I just told my wife, I, I think, um, I think I have to call my friend, only transgender friend I had who lives in St. Louis. And I I said, I think I have to call him today and talk about something because I, I need to figure out what's going on. And did this come as a shock to your wife? Or like you say, you've, you've been kind of slowly getting there. Do you think that she was seeing it? Yeah. Were you, were you sharing with her your thoughts? So I shared my thoughts with her literally on the day I had the thought myself. Mm-hmm. So the first day I actively thought, like, I wonder if I'm transgender. I, I shared it with her. That's and, brave. Yeah. I didn't want it to be... I really didn't want it to become that because that was probably from the get go. My only real concern, my, my true, true fear is that she and I would not be okay. Right. And I think she, uh, I think part of her thought like, yeah, sure. We've seen this before, <laughs> you know, now you had to join the fire department. And then, <laughs> and then she saw me coming out of an army recruiting office once. And, oh. and now, and now we have to have more kids, you know, like, this is just your next, you know, like life's getting a little too comfortable. So, you know, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's do something else. Like there's probably a part of her that thought like, this is probably going to go away. Right. Here we go again. Yeah. Here we go again. Let's explore this. I'm supportive. I'm going to be a good wife and uh, we're going to come full circle. I think she needed to understand it. So I would say that's the only thing that took maybe a couple of months for her. So there was no anger, no real sadness either, just not really understanding. And I was pretty obsessed 
with it, obviously, from the beginning. So from, from, from the second I thought, like, this might really be something, I was all over YouTube and reading and buying books and, and talking. Was it people. all you wanted to talk about? Yes. So I had to be really careful about that because I realized it was all I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. She made a click at some point where she just saw it. This is actually not a new concept. We're naming it. We're, we're acknowledging it for what it is. But obviously, yeah. this has been a work in progress for many, many years. And she saw it. She's had flashes actually through the years before I even mentioned it. She, she's not looking at me, but I'm like standing behind her or next to her somewhere. And she feels a male presence. And then she realizes it's me. Oh, like, so, oh, she, wow. so there was something about that, that that clicked with her. Like, this is not a, a decision. The decision is, are you going to pursue it or not? But it's not a decision whether it's happening, whether it already you happened. are. Yes, exactly. It is what it is. Exactly. Huh. And you were clear in your mind, she's your person. And you're, yes. I think it's clear that you're her person as well, regardless of what your gender is or how you present. She was a little nervous maybe because, you know, she's attracted to me and she was wondering whether she still would be. If mm-hmm. after I transitioned and she considered herself a lesbian. And so that was weird. Almost feels like you're just like repositioning how you think about something. Does that make sense? Because it was like you, you're all the same people. You always were this all along. You just came to terms with it. And the labels don't mean anything except for is what it feels like to me. Am I saying that right? Right. I had that feeling all the time that it was the biggest thing happening in my life and the smallest at the same time. Right. So I would have these moments where it seemed huge, like, oh my gosh, I got to tell my parents and what? I'm changing my gender. What? People are going to call me a different name. That's huge. It's like the biggest thing that anyone could ever decide. And then at the same, on the same day, I would feel like nothing is changing. It's right. just about yeah. how we name things, how we see things. Like this has always been there. It, it was so interesting. Yeah. Isn't it yeah. true that it's just all this crap we put on this stuff? It's all yeah. our own perceptions. But there's also, to make the same parallel of the Martina conversation, there's another level that you're a public figure. You know, you're in a, a prominent band and you're out there in front of people and you didn't just have to like tell your mother, you had to tell like news media. And that's a that's a significant thing. Yeah, that actually wasn't a, that wasn't a negative for me at all. I, I actually kind of saw it as an asset right away. It's like, oh, this is easy. I don't have to tell my friends. I'll just like announce it publicly. And then everyone will just know. <laughs> That's like, then no, I did, no, I did tell my friends ahead of time. But yeah, that, that was never a deterrent for me. I actually pretty quickly saw it as a, as a total bonus of being able to contribute. And, and even if I just reached, you know, a couple oh. hundred people or a couple of thousand people with my vlogs and with a message of like, hey, we're trans family and everything's still fine. A bomb didn't drop on our house. Like everything's still good. I, I, I always knew that that was going to be a good thing. I, I wasn't scared of that. Um, I wasn't scared of that at all. Can I ask when you started thinking about this, you said you, you watched a lot of YouTube videos, you know, you did all your research. Was there a lot on YouTube to help you through it? Well, the problem is like the most trans guys that have their own vlogs are in their 20s. You know, so it's a very, very warped sense of what was going to happen to me, like after transitioning, because they're, because everything goes faster when you're younger. So Mm -hmm. the closer you still are to your adolescence, the testosterone has a bigger effect on your voice and your body. And um, that's interesting. So, so I did learn that before I transitioned that it's different for older uh, transgender guys. So there's a couple of guys I started following and. 
and they were just very, very open. And that's what I loved about it so much. Like they're just, they're just throwing it all out there. Also that even though they're already on testosterone and they may or may not have had surgery, that they also still have doubts about certain things. And they were just so open, kind of like, I hate to say it in a feminine way, openness, you know, like a lot of guys can't be, you know, just talk yeah. about like what's hard about this. Some days I feel great in my body. Other days I feel like I can't leave the house, like just very, very open and honest. And it was so great to see that they had happy functioning lives and it existed. It was a path. It's like, I didn't know that path existed. After listening to those guys and thinking so much about gender and where I fit in, I feel like I, I may have gotten more open about things that have nothing to do with LGBT. Like it's just little things that maybe before I was still, I, I didn't have enough gray area. And I, and I'm, I feel like I, I'm growing that way by oh. seeing all the gray area in gender. I'm, I'm learning to see it in other things as well that have nothing to do with, with being gay or being trans. Interesting. It's just rounding you out more as a person. And I think that also, Sam, you have, you and other trans individuals, you have the unique experience of having lived as the other gender. So you've lived as a woman. Now you're transitioning to a man. And so you have, you're, I, I don't want to say, I, I, this might sound terrible. You, you're, you're blessed in a way because you know both no. sides. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like, and, and my wife jokes about this sometimes. Like, she's like, if you were just a regular dude, I don't think I'd have any interest. But, you know, it's, it's the whole story, you know? It's yeah. like yeah. Everything, that, everything that you are. And I've actually heard trans guys talk about this, that when they're stealth somewhere, you know, there's like in, at a party and, and people don't, there's people there that they don't know and they just see them as a regular guy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they have, they, they almost want to tell people like, hey, just so you know, I'm not just some mm. dude. Like, right. that's, yeah. that's not very interesting. Like, yeah. I'm a trans guy. <laughs> like, you know, I have a whole story. Like, because <laughs> my wife is saying in the beginning, like, now, now all these interesting lesbian couples are not going to come up to us and try to be friends with us anymore because we just look like a regular old like, boring yeah. <laughs> mom and a dad. Dude, like, I know. How, how boring. Oh, how, God. How boring. You're not special anymore. You are not special anymore. I know. But, but I do realize that, and, uh, that it's kind of like a, you know, there's definitely a lot of challenges in, in being trans, but I do see the, the, the silver lining in having lived as a woman. And nothing's really changed that much between my wife and me that way. You know, we right. talk about things like the way girls do over talking and over analyzing our days and <laughs> over analyzing the kids. And it's so fluid, you know, we just, we, we put names on things because we have to, otherwise we, you know, it's yeah. just part of the conversation, but none of it really matters. It's just mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you know, it's just how, how do you see yourself? How do you want to present to the world? And then once you decide that, you know, it's everything else just stays the same. You did mention that, of course, there are many challenges that come with this. Can we talk about some of the challenges that come with transitioning and living yeah, your I life? I was kind of like thinking the same thing and thinking like, what would you want people to know? Yeah. Well, first of all, I do want to like really point out that I think I'm in a very privileged position, already looking very masculine. And so my voice still sounds feminine, but I pass pretty much all the time. And it's important for me. It's not important to all transgender people, but it's important to me to pass. And for a lot of, especially transgender women, the hormones don't do the same as they do for transgender guys. And so 
passing for them is much harder, especially when they transition later in life like me. And so I don't even want to put myself in the same category as those women and how tough life must be for them just walking into a Starbucks and have people stare at you. And mm -hmm. that kind of stuff doesn't happen to me. People just look at me and, and, and think nothing. They take you, you know, for they, what you are. They, they just take me for what I am. Yeah. They may, some of them may think I'm a really masculine woman. Most of them just think I'm a dude and then that's it. Like I'm, I'm not being stared at. So I think I'm, I'm very blessed that way to be a transgender person who's not, who doesn't have a daily struggle of going out into the public and knowing you're going to be judged. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't, that doesn't happen to me. I have two or three YouTube trolls. I think it's always the same people actually who say mean <laughs> things on the videos. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bummer. I don't like reading them, but that's really, when it comes from like the feedback, when it comes to like feedback, that's the only negativity I've experienced. That's good. You know, it's been a year now since I've been on testosterone and I think I've mellowed out, but it, 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 it's hard not to be obsessed and not to, you know, you finally, you're 47 years old, you finally get to be who you are. And it's hard not to look in the mirror every day and look for little changes and mm -hmm. wonder if your voice yeah. is changing. And, and, and so I didn't want it to take over. I still wanted to just be a dad, you know, and go do dad things, not be a trans dad, you know, just do regular, yeah. like be present as a family member and not just have it all be about me. So I need to watch for that. And I think I can also still tell that even today, the people who know me still really see me as a woman. Um, mm. I think they're all trying. I think everyone in my family, I think all my friends are trying. And I think they have a little pep talk before they see me like, he, 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 he. Um, and, uh, and Sam is easy, but the he is hard. And, and I know it's because that's not how they see me. They just see me as the same Sarah, who is now way more masculine even than <laughs> she already was before. And they don't have a problem with it. But I, I don't feel yet like I'm seen as who I feel I am. And that, and that sometimes will make me sad. Mm -hmm. I don't walk yeah. around depressed. I'm, I'm a happy person, but uh, that, it still weighs a little bit on me. Like everyone's trying and I'm so touched by how hard everyone's trying. And at the same time, they slip up, not because they want to be mean. They slip up because that's just still how they see me. You know. But also it could just be habit, too. They've been saying yeah. a certain word or a phrase associated with you for 47, 46 years. Yeah, it, it's some of that habit, for sure. And, and also, I, I'm patient. I, things don't go as fast for me as it would for a 20-year-old or a 16-year-old, and that's fine. And I think, actually, it's not just fine. I think it's perfect because it would be really hard for the world, you know, for, for everyone around me to, I think, way harder to deal with, like, really fast changes. If I had a full-blown beard right now and, and you know, like a mm. big, ch big chest hair, I think people are like, <laughs> what the hell just happened? Like, now everyone just has time, you know? Like, I've, I'm basically my body is giving everyone time to, like, get used to the idea. Yeah. And also, I've had no physical negative side effects, you know? So the testosterone is doing slowly what I wanted to do. My body looks different. I'm stronger. I love it. I absolutely love it. But it's not like these giant, you know, yeah, not weird, huge. not You're huge not changes. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. well, never, never will be. All of a sudden I get like an Austrian accent, like with the test. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> it's the weirdest not side effects. Like, yeah. 
It's so funny. Um, I was picturing like Santa Claus there, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the fact that the changes haven't been so drastic also makes it that I haven't felt anything bad. The testosterone doesn't make me feel bad. I don't feel, you know, aggressive. Like some guys do feel more aggressive. My wife says I'm less patient, but I think she's protecting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe she she won't hear this part of the interview. (laughs) I can cut this part out of the interview. (laughs) (laughs) You'll give her a special link. (laughs) So I should say she likes this masculine thing. So I'm I'm lucky. She, you know, my body changing. I had top surgery. She's like, ah, that looks, you know, she wasn't freaked out by that at all. She likes it. But she also says, like, you were more male in your reactions to the kids and Wanting to, she hasn't gone as far as saying I'm mansplaining things, but she, she has said that I have a tendency to like, want to solve it. And like, okay, before we would just like, yap, yap, yap. And now it's just like, like, present me with your issue. Here's what you got to do. Like, oh, I don't, wow. th- I don't think that she thinks I've gotten a little bit more like that. Interesting. Well, in that regard, you're like every other man on the planet. I know. Who doesn't think they do that. I, exactly. <laughs> I didn't mansplain you. What are you talking about? I don't know. I don't mansplain. Sam, you mentioned top surgery. How long into your transition? When, when did when did that happen? So I and is to, it okay to talk yes, about that? If, that's, that's one of our questions. Absolutely. Top surgery was huge for me. Starting testosterone and top surgery, I pretty much from the first second I thought about whether I was trans or not, those two things were in my mind. Like, oh, if only, you know, if only I could not have breasts and just walk around with my shirt off, then life would be, you know. And um, turns out that's exactly what it is. It's fantastic. I walk around, like, I really put a shirt on for you guys to be polite, but I walk around shirtless all day. (laughs) You can take it off. Did you burn your bras? Did you burn your bras? (laughs) I did not burn my bras because my wife uses some of them, but I was already in binders before that. Yeah, so I had, I started testosterone in April and I had my surgery in September. And it was instantly fantastic. I just, I knew it was going to be, it was never weird from the second we took the bandages off and we looked, it was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it, it, wow. it just, it just felt fantastic. And they did a really good job. I'm very happy with it. I, I have to constantly remind myself I'm 47 and not 27. You know, I look at like chests of like 27 year old guys. I'm like, I'm working out. Why doesn't it look like that? It's like, well, you know, you're old, you're just you're old. old. It's, you're yeah. old. <laughs> I feel like your story is like a really nice reminder of you get there when you get there on all the fronts you know it's just like you you came out when you were ready you you know found your wife when you were ready you adopted when you were it just like and then you started transitioning when you were ready it's just like it the world just showed up to you at the right time and I think it's a nice message to not push people before they're ready for anything Mm -hmm. exactly and it's also such a message that you can never really convey to young people and it's so sad like you wish Mm -hmm. you could tell them like you know it Things will happen in their own time. You cannot, you cannot force wisdom at 25. You know, you cannot know it all at that age. Like you can't completely have discovered yourself and know what really matters. Like it's just, everything just comes as it comes. And, and of course there's a part of me that wishes I figured all this out at 16 and I could have had my transition then and been a teenage boy and but it didn't happen that way, you know, and there, and there's just no reason to dwell on that too. Like, I think I had to mourn it a little bit, but there's really no reason to dwell on that. And my, my kids are fine. My kids called me dad from day one and never slipped up. It was unbelievable. That's incredible. Wow. They're nine. So they get new information every day still, you know, they learn about new things all the time. Right. And so to them, it was just one new thing. 
And um, we presented it as, hey, something really exciting is happening for our family, you know? And they looked at me and they're like, yeah, that makes total sense. So your dad now? Yeah, dad. It's like, oh, yeah. Hey, dad, <laughs> okay. you want to go okay, throw cool. a ball? Like they, they were totally, they didn't have all this pressure. Like what's society going to say? You know, like what does that really mean? Like they, they just looked at me. It made sense yeah. to them. Mm -hmm. And um, they had, you know, a couple of questions about <laughs> private parts and surgeries and stuff like that. But then it's like, all right, if that's what, if that's, if gender, if that's what it means, then I accept that. And there you go. Wow. The kids always are better than us. Yeah, always. the kids are great. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I mean, it's just wonderful. Oh, it was great talking to you guys. I, I was really looking forward to it and I really enjoyed it. Oh my God, I love him. Doesn't he have like the best voice? It's just yes. like he's something so calming about when he speaks. Smooth. It's like yeah. smooth. And like I mean, you feel it in your heart when yeah. he speaks. I mean, and oh. he's a singer, so it makes sense. But there's just something about the way he talks that I felt so relaxed. Ugh, he's I amazing. love that dude. I love that dude. And he's got a lot of great insight. And I love that he's so open and willing to share it. And what a journey. Oh my what God, a journey. I, I loved it. Oh, all right. Well, thank you, folks. This is our kickoff to Pride. Listen, I do have to say we got a tremendous, tremendous slate for Pride. We have we Sarah Eisen from American Idol. We have Rachel Rapino, who just happens to be a twin of, you know, somebody from the U.S. Women's soccer. National Soccer Team. And who's our other one, Jamie, that you really are excited about for Pride? You guys, Sean T. Sean T's gonna make you sweat. Sean T of Insanity Fitness, Beachbody Fitness, OMG. Hip hop abs. And, and what's his husband's name, Robin? Scott, Scotty B. Scotty B. Sean T and Scotty B. And oh I, my God. I was fangirling, fangirling when she we She really was. She really was. So oh, we have so many, so many good interviews for Pride. So make sure you come back. We also have to say that our book, while it's not out till September 22nd, the Kindle book, if you're a, a Kindle reader, the pre-sale is happening right now. So just go into Amazon and type if these ovaries could talk and you're going to find it. It's there. It's cute little 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 cute rectangle little with our book and our and our pictures below. It's amazing. We are writers of a book. I can't even I can't even. If you want to talk about this episode or anything else, let's hit us on the social media. Where can they get us, Jamie? Well, you guys can go to Ovaries Talk on Twitter, Ovaries underscore talk on Instagram. If these ovaries could talk on Facebook, you can also join our community there and you can talk to other listeners, which is always fun. You can also join our community on Patreon at patreon.com slash ovaries talk for the bonus content we talked about in the beginning of the episode. And you can now subscribe to us on YouTube to catch up on our ovaries talk live streams. And also there are some of our video interviews there as well. Escapades. Yes. And Escapades. some of the like footage from like our, our big guests and stuff. So check that out. And we want to say a very, very, very big thank you to our sponsors, Modern Fertility, to check your eggs. And hello, Tushy. Hello, Tushy. You guys tushy. have helped us. Hello, Tushy. Um, helping <laughs> us make the show a possibility and allowing us to say vag and butthole. That was amazing. We thank you guys. That was so fun. And <sighs> so, guys, you know, stay healthy, stay sane, stay away from everyone. Don't touch your faces. We're going to get through this. Helen, we're we, here for we you. Told we told them not to touch <laughs> their faces, Helen. Okay. Helen, we are oh, on so it. Pushy. She's over there with her crazy. Face. She's got one of you know that mask she has. That mask she has with the it's like one of those like from um, outer space masks. Yes. She doesn't mess around. That well, I don't know what good it does when she brings it down so she can smoke. It's like Helen, what are smoke you doing? The cigarettes. Quit smoking, Helen. All right, Helen. Um, eggs. Helen. <laughs> 
ovaries. I don't know. I was like scrambled eggs. Ovaries. Out. Ovaries could talk, they would say. Eggs, ovaries, out.